Hello, and welcome to another episode of Introspectives. This episode is the one that I've honestly been dreading the most because it features me. I feel very cringy even saying the word features me. And I'm having a conversation about myself with Serge. It was really uh, uncomfortable yet interesting to listen back to this conversation. I have to admit that I couldn't fully listen to it. I had to skip it in parts. Um, And I can't really put a finger on why it's uncomfortable, but I figured that I just have to release it anyway because it's a it is truly an introspective moment Uh, it is a reflection on where we were at at different points even a few months ago because this conversation happened in july and so much has happened in that space i'm at a different institution i'm in a different work sphere yet so many things have changed so many things are still the same sadly it's i can really for me tell the horrible mental space that i was in and in some ways i'm still in that space and i'm still not but i think the main takeaway is we are each at different points in our lives depending on what the context is cliche as that sounds in that moment in time i was just so frustrated i came very very close to even uh just directly naming names which is highly unprofessional i think i'm still at that stage but currently i'm very energized i'm sure as people of color you know that we go through ups and downs of feeling really energized feeling like there's hope and then the downs so why am i doing this long intro (laughs) Maybe a small part of me is hoping that you'll skip this one, but another part of me just wants to make a disclaimer that um, whether it's positive or negative, I do feel like I have changed in the space of a few months and I am truly grateful that I have Sarah and Sabrina to do this type of work, though we're very, very slow, but you know, each conversation I have with Sarah and Sabrina or other people is really inspirational for me and it keeps us going um unfortunately in that space of time i didn't feel like i could openly have those conversations i feel a bit more confident but it's in a different context which i hopefully we can get into in the future all right uh i guess i can't prolong it any longer here is my episode i'll just hit record and then um like, do you want to start it or do you want me to start <laughs> i feel like you get nervous as soon as i press record yeah i do actually do. um oh my god now i'm getting lost. <laughs> sorry <laughs> how did you start with rihanna um um i did it similarly to when when uh, we did the, the whole group conversation so we just started casually talking about okay um can you tell me a bit about your experiences oh. like what you're doing at the moment and we yeah. kind of got into the conversation of okay like like i for yeah. example i yeah. actually i'm actually really happy that i'm doing this because 
I would really like to know your journey in oh, education. Okay. Because yeah. it's, I mean, you've been leading the conversations and it's, you've got your, your own journey. Yeah. So let's just go, let's just dive into it and just say, <laughs> who are you in Haiti actually? Because I do think our listeners want to know about you too. So when I ask, how are you, who are you in HE? Can you tell us a bit about how your identity impacts your journey in higher education? Um, well, you know, actually, I'm really glad that you're interviewing me because um, I tried to record myself and it just did not work. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to articulate my answers into this like neat two-minute spiel or like different yeah. answers. So yeah, I'm really glad you're asking me. Um, I mean, in the end, it's a com- I think with a conversation, you, you're more able to like articulate, express yourself because you're trying to make a point or you're trying to explain it to another person yeah. rather than to yourself. Yeah, that's true. So I do think like that a conversation makes sense in that sense. Yeah, and then, well, because I'm talking to you right now and you're responding to what I'm saying, but then when you record yourself, you're speaking into a mic and you feel really stupid because you're just talking <laughs> at a wall or something. Okay, so, um, yeah, no, I'm glad we're finally doing this. Can you ask the question again? Of course I can. So, um, who are you in higher education? So, I'm thinking about identity because season one is about identity so can you tell us a bit about how you feel your identity impacts and impacted in the past as well your journey in higher education and how that kind of um, how that kind of impacts you of who you are in higher education at the moment and how you operate within it so I think there are three parts to it Mm. so the past for your journey yeah and maybe at the moment yeah and how you navigate yourself that's really complicated, and I'm seriously reflecting on all the complicated questions I gave to the interviewees like, in the other episodes. Yeah, now you know how it feels. <laughs> I um, okay, well, I guess just to begin with, um, just to speak in the present tense, definitely feel like you've heard this a million times. I'm an outlier outlier in higher education and um that's just because um i think in the uk higher education space um there isn't and this might be a national capacity there you just don't have the mental capacity to help um specific groups of people Mm. so so for me um specifically you know i identify as asian american that means i'm categorized in the BAME group, but um, I'm allowed into BAME conversations, but because I'm not British BAME, then I'm automatically dispelled from the conversations. Mm. But at the same time, because I speak a certain way, um, that also gets me invited into conversations, but then ultimately I'm dispelled because I'm American, I'm not British Mm. and so that perpetually leaves me as an outlier in higher education Um, and they say you know there's a glass ceiling a glass peak for women particularly in like senior roles but Mm. then for BME women it's uh, the frosted ceiling Mm. so for me I feel like I'm just facing both of these frosted and glass ceilings like just on a daily basis but and I think I think that impacts my work because I'm 
critical of everyone I meet. Like, I don't know if their intentions are genuine. Um, Which is a good thing. Yeah, but it's also just kind of sad because when you meet people, you want to um, believe that they are speaking with you for your expertise and you're meeting with them for a reason. But it's all along the questions of, did I get hired because of positive action? Mm-hmm. Um, am I here because you need that one token person in the room? But wait, I'm not that token person in the room because I'm not British. Mm. You know, so it's really complicated. Definitely, definitely impacts my work. I feel like to a certain standard, I can't progress my work to the full mm-hmm. potential because of that. Um, mm. And I guess in terms of the past it's really interesting like because when you move to different contexts you have a special lens to view your past that's on super cliche but no, I, that that but makes it, total it's sense true. it okay. does yeah 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 great yeah your past experiences inform your presence yeah but you you get like it hmm. you definitely have a specific lens because um as i uh, i was telling you this before um I'm really appreciative of all the diverse experiences I had, but then I look back on my identity as a student in higher education. Mm-hmm. And for my undergrad, um, there are definitely lots of issues, but the key themes that stick out to me are pervasive white male dominance. And then as a master's student at mm-hmm. Nottingham, oh wait, white male pervasiveness. Um, and I this, this is a whole different topic, but I can literally speak to themes of how surprised I was when you don't have enough contact hours. Mm. Like what? What? So, am I, yeah. I, I was just thinking. So, mm. did you do your undergrad in um, in the UK? No, no, I did my undergrad in um, Boston, uh-huh. and then I did my masters. So, how was that? Yeah. Like, I mean, you you, you switched contexts also was being a student. Well, I, I think so because how oh, do you mean like how 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 you, how you like how you navigate yourself? I mean, it was probably different a different yeah. higher education system. Well, well, that's the thing. I think um, because I graduated, I worked for a few years, then went into higher education. I definitely felt more appreciative of life as a student again. Mm-hmm. But I think most people assume that the UK and US are very similar, and mm. sure, it's similar in terms of other countries, but. It is actually extremely different. So kind of like what I was saying before, um, your master's course is just for a year uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to like two to three years in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, like because I was from the U.S., I just wasn't eligible for a scholarship. Mm-hmm. It's so ironic because a lot of scholarships are reserved for certain quote-unquote disadvantaged countries, which I find that extremely racist. Um, that's a whole topic on its own. And then um, you don't have enough contact hours. So I'm just thinking, what am I paying for? But I think that the thing, and a lot of people roll their eyes when I say this because I'm beating the race drum, but um, white male pervasiveness is a real thing. I mean, I didn't realize how, as diverse as my undergrad was, how much white male dominance was in my curriculum. And um, in my master's course, like ninety percent of the critical theories I rewrote were about were written by white men, and 
because I didn't get the ideal experience as a student, I obviously want to make it better for students here, but then realizing, oh, my identity prevents me from helping those students and um, we can't really break into that system. It's, it's just really disheartening. Yeah. And I mean, when you went on to working here yeah. as well, it's like, how do you balance your personal and professional challenges? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just really hard because yeah. I mean, like, I know in a sense of like, for me, I feel like they're really intertwined, like personal because the work that I do, it, I'm, I'm really passionate about personally as well because it personally impacts me. Yeah. But it's also connected to what I'm doing professionally. So it's hard yeah. to kind of just make them two things. Yeah. Whereas I do think white people have the privilege to separate these two things because oh, they cannot, they don't have to, they don't have to justify their profession yeah. um, linked to who they are or their race. Absolutely. Um, so in that sense, I was thinking, how do you feel about that? Um, that's such a good question. And again, as you're intri- not interviewing, ask me these questions. Mm. I'm <laughs> Does it make you think? <laughs> no, but it's just <laughs> honestly, like it's just so easy to ask the questions and listen because you reflect, but you don't have to articulate your responses. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm in the hot seat, it's like, yeah, oh, no, it man, sense. how do I articulate this? Um, yeah, I really relate to what you're saying. Um, for me, it's really those um, challenges are blurred into one. It's really actually, um, I've had several um, conversations like with you and then other um, fantastic, um, just going to say sisters. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, certain colleagues. Um, and they were just saying, listen, um, mental and physical health are your priority. So you need to recognize all the, um, you know, like, beauties in your life that you have Mm -hmm. and really separate it but the reason what you're saying why we can't necessarily easily do that is because um when you and i can't believe that it's 2019 but this is still happening but when you go into work when we when we go into work Mm -hmm. it's a constant question always at unease always feeling like we are you know questioning ourselves trying to boost up our confidence that's at a very low Mm. level um and then when we are doing social activities you know like even when i go grocery shopping at tesco um i can and i i know and i've had like friends saying like are you you sure that they're not are you sure you're not playing this up and they mean they mean well like i i would genuinely love it if i was imagining it but you know when i'm bringing having my groceries being like um yeah rang up i can see them looking at me like do you speak english and it's like oh my god and it's real so that's why it's hard to um uh not have that balance be blurred but also a lot of us do not have job security so whereas our white colleagues um they even honestly even if they don't have job security they do not have to worry about the extra things we don't. So we have to constantly upskill ourselves. So that means I have to go home, apply for other jobs, try to get skill in a different setting so that I can be better, that no one can question me. Mm. Um, and that is so time-consuming. And although I say, oh, I'm doing this for myself, for my own learning, that is directly tied to work, so we can't separate that. 
Um, and you know, some people I have had, when I've felt vulnerable and said this out loud, some colleagues have said, oh, but, oh, but Claire, you're, you have your master's. Oh, but you're from the U.S. and your world experience, like, you won't, you don't have issues. Yeah, but we do because we live in such a homogenous nation, unfortunately, that is not ready for dual, triple identities and different possibilities. And I think another thing that Britain really, like in my experience, struggles with is just accepting the fact that yeah. racism has not ended. Yes. I think that is generally also the reason and something that you said earlier about this very, very famous question of, are you sure? And it's funny because I haven't spoken to you about this, but I have had so many friends of color mm-hmm whom I have spoken to about their experiences and if they sh- if if even if they have the courage to share it with their superiors almost they are white mm. be it teachers friends maybe they're always questioned they're always yeah. asked are you sure yeah that's they would not validate yeah the the experience of a person of color and not accept that racism has has not finished and that is i think specifically an issue in higher education because (laughs) imagine a student i mean i i did some research with students and for for my masters and most of them basically all of the participants said that their teachers would deny them their experience of racism and would always say oh just let it go or they probably didn't mean it like that or are you sure and and i think that can be very frustrating and that is also probably a reason why so many people don't trust the system in higher education um, what do you think about that actually um slightly off topic you just remind me of something i actually you know where i'm going with this but um in terms of the are you sure narrative um so i went to the gp and mm. <laughs> you're laughing. Yeah, I, I need to hear this again, honestly. Uh, went to the GP, and um, for once in my life, um, the GP was very attentive, saw me for like, honestly, like 25 minutes. That never happens in a GP session. Wow. I know. And he was very attentive, very sympathetic. And then after, he was like, Oh, where did you learn English? And I just started, I'm like, What? <laughs> and then he was like, Oh, no, you just, you just sound American. I said, I, I am American. And so um, I told my parents this because I tell them everything. And I know that they're on my side, but it's really interesting to me because I think immigrant narratives is really strong. So our parents, they immigrated to a different country. Mm. Um, they had to really work hard. They didn't have the luxury to indulge in these feelings of oppression. They had to just keep going forward. Mm. So when I told my mom, my mom was not, I, I'm not going to say defending him, but she did kind of say, oh my gosh, that's really bad. But you know, maybe, maybe he just said the first thing that was on his mind. Maybe they're filtering. Oh, we all do that sometimes. Oh no, she didn't, she definitely didn't say that. But but she, she was kind of saying <laughs> along those lines, like maybe um, um, he, he didn't filter quickly enough and he said it which to be maybe maybe it was true but um like she didn't want me to be bogged down by this experience mm-hmm. but i think our generation is very much like 
did that really just happen to me? I'm like, question are that. you joking? But yeah. that is a generational difference. And, yeah. and I think that's great. But another side is I hate it when... Mm, shout out to my friends. Love them all. But hate it when I tell my white friends this. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, why did he say that? Because they can't concept. Like, that concept of... Um, like a uh, person of color speaking the standardized dominant language is just so foreign to them, mm-hmm. even in 2019. And actually, you know what I didn't tweet out was that he proceeded to tell me, oh, um, my son works in Singapore. <laughs> like, sorry, I can't I, do I, anything but laugh. I don't <laughs> care. Like, like, mister, I don't, I don't care where your son works. I care that you give me good treatment. End of story. Now, if you had asked me, oh, I'm... That's the same story with the Chinese takeaway. Where this is, oh, oh but this happens to you all the time. It must happen to you, too. And it, it, yeah, yeah, We can yeah. literally record an entire episode just about this. It's so frustrating. But then it... Actually, like, when, you, when you tell me, Sarah, about these stories... I'll just laugh delirious because it's like, are you joking? Or wow. But then if you if you tell if you tell like white colleagues here, even here some they'll be like Oh I or, or they defend yeah. they, they get defensive. They yeah. they wanna like they wanna basically make sure that you don't believe that they are like them. So they wanna do you know what I mean? I do so they yeah. wanna they wanna basically through their words they wanna make sure they wanna they want to tell you that oh, either they would, either they would question you, or they would make sure that you don't think they are racist. Yeah, it's like it's like on the same lines like of. It, it, yeah, exactly. Um, tell me if you think this is right, but um, it's along the same lines of if you say something homophobic, then you say like, oh, but uh, my best friend's gay, so it's fine. Do you agree? Yeah. It's not fine. Yeah, but it happens also with all kinds of categories, yeah, I guess. It's not fine. Do not say that. And frankly, if you're my GP, I don't care what your son does. You need to give me right treatment. Yeah. Anyway, true. Anyway, uh, but we're, but uh, these sorry. kind of things also yeah. happen at the university. I mean, yeah. they are, this, is, this is why I find, I find these kind of examples are useful for us to talk about. Hmm. Because even though our context is higher education, institutional racism goes back to the institution and we have these major sectors Mm. in society which are health which you were talking about then we've got education and we've got for example the policing system security systems (sighs) administration systems they are all systems in society major major systems that make the society work in a way that it works yeah so and this is why institutional racism is so it's almost like it has a pattern but it just mm. works out differently in every institution but mm, actually the yeah. root cause mm. is the same i agree yeah yeah so when when we come back to higher education i know there's so many things that we can talk yeah. about and it's so frustrating mm. just on a note to end like our conversation what do you think needs to change what what is it that we need um, I mean, we're not asking for a toolkit as everyone wants these days. But <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I think generally, um, hmm, 
a lot of things are lip service only. And this isn't just into higher education. And the reason why when we speak about higher education issues and we delve into like these other stories is because mm. our personal challenges um, bleed into professional challenges. And a lot of people in higher education that identify themselves as allies, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them racist. Mm. However, if you yourself are not doing enough to be educated and actually implement those actions and you are perpetuating institutional racism kind of like what you're saying Mm. um and i like that there were these campaigns for us to like read certain literature Mm. and um speak to each other and like a toolkit i mean we we have to start somewhere i recognize that but it's lip service in every sector it's exhausting and why do you think like people don't really want to get away from the lip service um so two things one um going back to white male pervasiveness that's such a dominant force in all sectors and in order to make oh god cliche moment but in order to make change you need to leave you need to make space for other people and they are protecting their positions it's about power, isn't it? It's always about power and money. Mm. It, it's just, it's it's like, it's life, but you can change it, but they don't want mm. to. Mm. Um, and I think the second thing is a lot of in these institutions, again, not just higher education, mm. elect one token person, and that token person tends to be whitewashed, and they will... Um, adhere to the lip service objectives, not follow through. I mean, I was speaking with this prominent person in our community who, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and they said, you know, the importance about when you reach those positions is you need to open up the dialogue and invite them in. And Mm. in my personal and professional life, that's what I've tried to do because I recognize, although I consider myself open, there are a lot of things I don't know. Mm. So I, you know, I invite people in because, frankly, this is not just about race. Like we're all people. We have so many complicated things in our lives. Um, so to make an institution as, as diverse as you can is beneficial for everyone. That seems simple. We've heard it, but the re- people are just mm. reluctant because it's about money and it's about power. But one thing I will add to this long rant is that um, I think the main difference for me at least is when I was in the U.S., yeah, I would say there were similar problems. And even when I was, sure, like when I was studying about in like South America or when Mm. I was living in Korea, of of course there are these issues. But Mm. I think in the U.S., if I needed to find, I I could see myself being represented. Mm -hmm. I could see like a Korean-American person um, in media, like, you know, somewhere. And seeing yourself reflected is very very powerful and here um i had to quickly identify myself within members of the quote-unquote bme community so that that that's one thing and i'm sure a lot of people here actually don't find their exact role model now the other thing is the university specifically only has the again quote-unquote energy energy to their first one 
black people and not just black pe- black people not even like black Caribbean people black people mm-hmm. um, and you know they only invest time to staff but even then it ends right when you hire token people and it's not happening because you need senior buy-in and so all the work that you do at lower levels it I was talking to a colleague and they said that I'd like to believe that I'm contributing towards a bigger cause because I can't see results right away. Mm. That's what I, that's how I resolve my qualms about not getting senior buy-in. But mm. for us, I think we're at a stage in life we're still young enough to put all our passions into one cause and it's extremely disheartening to work our asses off and not to see that happening and to constantly mm. hit blockers. Um, so in a long answer, I don't know why it's not changing, but I can definitely surmise that it's because of white males who are pale, male, and stale. Also, I'm going to do that same thing that other racist and homophobic people do, but I'm married to a white person. Oh, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to end this episode. So I do think like we yeah. could we could we could go on and um, talk about this much more, and I would have actually loved to. Um, <laughs> We're just trying to figure out if we should end the episode or not. <laughs> um, I I thought um, I I to be honest like I wanted okay. to know a bit more, pers- yeah. your personal journey like, um, for example like when you went. Mm-hmm. starting to work in higher education as you felt like it was different from being a student and like I know you touched on many things mm-hmm. that were really really important um but just because I had the higher, edu- higher education <laughs> institution oh, yeah. is um well basically in a corporate world actually it's a yeah business. it is it's yeah a, it's a business and like when I reflect on being a student um I didn't realize that I was the consumer when I wasn't the consumer anymore, basically. And um, people's attitudes would change. Um, The same people that I knew as students would change towards me because I realized, okay, I'm not not bringing the money, Mm. I'm taking the money, (laughs) in a sense. And um, kind of made me realize of, like, it depends where you are. And I think I've mentioned this before in Mm. in another conversation that we had, that it changes to where you stand in higher mm. education. It, it depends on your positionality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what your thoughts are on, the, on this. Um, no, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, I, th- I think the one, like a slightly different note, when I started work, when I became a staff member, I did realize that there's so many, a lot of resources that are in place that students don't take advantage of um, and that are just sitting there because A, they haven't been advertised enough or they just don't um, meet the interests or needs of students. Um, and so I, I did definitely see like a different side of, you know, when I wasn't, wasn't the consumer. But that being said, um, I, I think... I think it's disheartening to us because higher education is technically supposed to be a place. We don't 
really see it as a corporate place you know we see it as a place of um education and and, and you know we've gone to our good share of conferences um networking diversity global conversations but it's not and of, of course um sorry just to end and i know i know um we're the types of people where we don't like to easily allocate a bad situation sorry attribute a bad situation to um to like oh they must be racist because they didn't do this to me or like this is yeah we no. don't do that yeah we put in the work first we have several incidents then we sadly conclude oh this is why yeah and we know we know from our past experiences which start from a very young age yeah being different that uh, eventually we will be putting much more work into getting the same outcome as our white counterparts yeah so we kind of make the effort beforehand we just dive in basically straight away and try to do our best but if that works out that's a different story oh i think actually i was talking to a colleague about that and um they were saying how they literally echoed what you just said about the unequal positionality that we mm. have, like the dichotomy between groups of people. And she was saying, oh, I'd love to talk about it on the podcast, but I'm really, really nervous that my line manager will hear me. And that to me is still sad mm. because I want this to be the space where we, I mean, it, it, it's our voice. I don't want us to be censored, but I've also acutely thought of how we don't have job security. We so, don't have the luxury. We don't have the... Yeah, we have to be careful all the time. Yeah, well, Which I'm still seeing my inputs anyway. But, yeah, same, but, yeah. Yeah, but Im- imagine if, if like a white um, senior male said the same thing I did, but with um, more candidness nothing would happen to him in fact yeah. he'd get praised for his audacity and so yeah. we're literally back i think a lot of this is very simple you will have heard this before but what i want to say is a lot of people don't realize um us specifically we go through um sexism to a certain extent yeah. ageism um then racism um then like foreign identity and then to you you have that oh why is she wearing a hijab yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's 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 real real thing. It, it is a real thing, and yeah. it's exhausting and yeah. something we don't want to think about, but we do. So yeah. I just yeah. remembered something that you said, and there yeah. was a colleague. Uh, there was a colleague of mine, and she said something really interesting. She actually said her daughter, I think, said it that yeah. she finds it really funny how white men can fail upwards, and I think. That is quite, yeah. that is quite I think that's quite intriguing you know, like I, I like it I like the way she said it because it's kind of true if you look towards politics um, <laughs> one particular person in the White House uh, yeah. yeah and even in Britain it's everywhere you oh, gosh, so, yeah, um, yeah it, it is the white male pervasiveness, pervasiveness as you have pointed out very much yeah so so um, i don't want to end on talking yeah. about white males 
Yeah, how can we end this episode on a positive note? Um, well, I did. We did meet. Let's say one thing that we love about higher education. Um, well, I was actually getting to that. I think um, <laughs> you know I met like my best friends in higher education, like even like from undergrad, and mm. even now I met like amazing people and friends like you. So I, you know it is, and we meet people all the time, mm. and they'll be featured on this podcast, and yeah. we have strong allies. So you know it's not it's not terrible. It's just that mm. it's especially disheartening mm. because you expect it to be a place of great learning and diversity. But yeah, I do think that's a yeah. huge positive. Yeah, what about I you? Think that, I do yeah. think that too. I mean, meeting all these people who are like-minded, who are going, who are having similar experiences yeah. like you. And that can be very liberating because some people are further down the line. They <laughs> yeah. can give you experience. Yeah, they can definitely. give you advice. Like mentors. They can support you. Yeah. And um, I think... To some extent, because we're, we're talking about identity, I think you come into terms with your own identity. Yeah. And for me, I realized, be proud of who you are. And um, yeah. I think when you have, I think when you have a common enemy, keep your common friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but... Um, I don't think start- it's harsh enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think you start to... You start to not, I think you start to think about um, the previous self-hate that you had, which I used to have a lot. Oh, yeah, and so that, I, that's I, I how we bond. You, yeah, you, you start to um, understand that whiteness has been telling you the rules. Yeah. And now that you know that, now that, you know that whiteness is invisible and you're able to spot it, yeah. you're able to come to terms with your own self. So I think for me, that's something really positive about higher education. Oh, sorry. One last thing. Even though it's kind of sad at the same time. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction because like you, for me, I always surrounded myself with like whiteness as much as possible. But now I love the two halves of my identity. But I think um, I was going to say um, a quasi positive, mm-hmm. quasi, quasi, I can't say it now, quasi positive mm-hmm. element is that we are invited to the table now, which is great. Can we speak and be taken seriously? Mm, We're not quite there yet, but we will be because we're pushing through. And I I think that that actually is one of the benefits because we we are in the door. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have put our foot through, basically. Our bodies. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I don't know if, if, if it's already bodies, but I hope so. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. This conversation was so enlightening, and I hope all the listeners, yeah, it was. So. No, it was definitely, yeah. and I hope all the listeners like this episode too. So Me too. Don't don't forget to subscribe and um, visit our website introspectives.uk, and hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, and here's my episode. Thank you so much to those of you who have listened. Special shout out to Serge for recording and uh, engaging me in this conversation. Please don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. We make sure to curate content and write articles based on what is on our minds and what media we've consumed. You can do that by clicking on a link on our website. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at introspectives, underscore introspectives. All right, have a good one and see you in the next episode.